My name is Rose Cortine and you're listening to the Talking Teenage Life podcast. This is a podcast that explores people's experiences in their teenage years and what they've learnt since. Welcome back to Talking Teenage Life. This is the first episode of Series 2. I'm really looking forward to this series and I've got some interesting guests lined up. As usual, the podcast will be out every fortnight, so let's get on with the first. I'm delighted to chat with someone I I have known since I was three years old. Ballet has been such a big part of my life. I love watching it and I love doing it. So today I'm interviewing the woman who has been the inspiration for my love of ballet. Formerly a trained dancer, Sandra Hartley now has her own dance school. So welcome along to the podcast, Sandra. Hello, Rose. Um, so most of my guests are um, grew up in England, but you grew up in Sweden. What was it like growing up there? Lovely. Tremendous freedom, yeah. much more freedom, I think, than children have in England now, certainly. We were, I was brought up, I lived in Malmö till I was 13 in the south of Sweden, and we lived very close to the beach. And I would just walk to the beach whenever I wanted to. Yeah. Didn't have the same constraints, I don't think. We just, we just went off and did our own thing. And the, um, you walk to school on your own. We st- I didn't start school till I was seven and a half because that's what we... You start school in Sweden when you are seven. Yeah. So um, by because of my birthday's in April, I had to wait till the September and I was seven and a half. And so you walk to school on your own and basically we did what we wanted. It was lovely. Yeah. So um, you mentioned school. What was school life like there? It was lovely. It was... It was I don't remember there being any pressure. Yeah. We didn't have SATs. We did have SATs, but they were done as a national examination and we would all sit down and the radio would go on and the questions would come on and they were just testing the whole country as opposed to yeah. each school. So there was never any feeling of pressure. We didn't get we didn't get reports, I think, until we were in year oh, till we went to high school. So very little pressure. When you first start school, you only go for half a day. So you go for a couple of hours in the yeah. morning to break you in gently. <laughs> and, uh, and and they do that still, I think, that you start very, very gently. I think now you go to school at six in Sweden, but certainly not before. Before that, I'd been at nursery school and we just played. Yeah. Which I think is lovely. Yeah. <laughs> Um, who was included in your family? Uh, my mother and my father and my older sister. Were you close with your older sister? Yes, I think we used to fight quite a lot, but uh, she was bigger and stronger than me. Yeah. I remember her always, yes, beating me up, sitting on top of me and poking her fingers into my chest. Uh, but generally we got on very well and we still yeah. do. What was your career aspiration then? And like, did you see yourself staying in Sweden? Do you mean when I was a small child? 
or when, when you were like in your teenage years? In my teens. Well, when my parents divorced when I was 10 and my mother was had been a dancer. She yeah. was English and she was teaching. And then she got a, a fam- when I was 13, she got this fantastic job in Stockholm. She was the head teacher of the equivalent of the Royal Academy of Dance wow. in Stockholm. Stockholm's Dance School like, was head ballet teacher there. So we moved to Stockholm and which was a great experience. Stockholm is a beautiful place. And um, my, I, yes, I thought I would stay in, in, in Sweden. Uh, I used to come, we used to come to England every other summer and spend the whole summer in, in England because my grandparents yeah. lived in Bournemouth. So I knew England very well. Or I knew the south of England very well. And I loved it. And I loved my granny. And we had always had happy times over here. But Yes, I assumed I would stay. And also the the really the good the thing that I was good at at school were languages. So I had rather hoped I would become a, an interpreter. I didn't quite realize the work that goes into becoming an interpreter. <laughs> yeah. So did you always hope to like become a dancer? No. I did ballet. I did my I started my mother when I was about 6 and I did a few classes a week and then I did tap dancing and a bit of jazz and then when we moved to Stockholm I obviously couldn't dance with my mother anymore so I went to different teachers there wasn't a very good standard of teaching in Stockholm at the time but I did a, a variety all the time every day yeah. I did something uh, but no I didn't want to be a dancer but I came over to England when I was 19 and I saw, no, I must have been 18, uh, I saw Godspell at the Pool Arts Arts Centre, I think it was. And I saw that and I came home and I said, that's what I want to do. I want to be on stage. Yeah. And my mother didn't really believe me because I hadn't shown any real interest before. So she, she said, right, she'd support me if that was what I wanted. And I had, I finished my what the equivalent of A-levels, which are three years in Sweden. And then I came over and did a summer school at the Royal Academy of Dance. And it was three weeks. It was fantastic. And I had this teacher called Jean Nucky. And she was the head ballet teacher at Stella Mann School of Dancing, which was one of the good ballet schools in London. And she, I, I said to her that I wanted to go to a ballet school. And she said she would recommend me for Stella Mann. And... So I got a letter saying that I was welcome to start the following year. And then my mother didn't, still didn't quite believe that that was what I really wanted. So I had a year when I'd finished school when I had to prove that I really wanted it. So I had yeah. to pay for all my dancing lessons myself. So I used to work in an old people's home at night. So I used to do night shifts and then come straight out and go straight to class and well, a couple of classes and then go home and back and do night shift again So because it was good money. And after that year, my mother said, yes, I do believe you. So she then supported me. And then I came to England when I was 20. And I didn't want to do uh, a dance training in Stockholm because my mother was, the the only really good school was where my mother was. And it's awkward being taught by your own parent. So that was why, and you know, people would think, oh, she got in because of her mother and all these things. So it was better to set off and do it my own way so I came to England when I was 20 and most of the girls at college were about 16 so it was a big difference I had to work so hard yeah because they were all younger than me and I had a lot to prove and I wasn't as flexible as they were so it was hard slog yeah 
So is that where you then trained? Yes, I did three years at Stella Mann. The first year I just did a the dancers course, but Stella Mann was quite a, a bossy woman and uh, she said that I should do the teacher's course because I'd make a good teacher and I really didn't want to be a teacher. But to keep her quiet, I then thought, oh, well, it doesn't cost any more to do the yeah. the teacher's course. So I did that as well, and which I'm really glad that I did. Yeah. But at the time, it was just a lot of extra hard work because I was a year behind everybody else. Yeah. They'd started it in the first year. So, but it um, was it was the right thing to do. And also but to, to make extra money to pay for my fees, I would work in the school office doing all the VAT oh, right. returns. So yeah. I got to know Stella Mann very, very well. And that's why she, I don't know why she thought I'd make a good teacher, but she did. <laughs> yeah. Um. So did your mum then inspire you to dance? Or... Yes, she did. Yeah. Yes, she did. My father was against it. He thought I should go to university and do something proper. Yeah. And But my mum, when she knew that that was what I really wanted to do, I think she would have supported me in whatever I wanted to do, yeah. frankly. But yes, she was an inspiration. So um, most people would think that being a ballet dancer it has a glamorous lifestyle to follow. But what is the reality? <laughs> yeah, it's not glamorous. <laughs> it's very, very hard work. I didn't actually work as a ballet dancer. I worked, I was trained as a ballet dancer, but I worked in commercial theatre. Yeah. But it's still, it's hard. You have to, even when you finished your training, you still have to make sure you go to class every single day to keep on top of everything and your technique and your fitness levels and you have to pay for your singing lessons. So it's, it's, it's hard. It yeah. is hard. And you have to be lucky really really lucky there are some glamorous things you know occasionally we when I was in Brigadoon we did the Olivier Awards we were we didn't get a a, a nomination but we were part of one of the in entertainment yeah. so things like that and then we were all had big dinner big dinner at the Dorchester afterwards so there are certain things that are lovely like yeah. that but generally it's hard work and you do the same thing so when I was in Brigadoon we did eight shows a week um, all the same shows. All the same shows, eight shows every week. And when I worked, I worked at the circus in Blackpool um, and there we did 14 shows a week. Wow. We did one on a Sunday, three on a Saturday and you work so hard, but it's yeah. fun. Yeah. Um. So beyond training, why is like dancing or ballet important? Well, I think you mean for my pupils now or for me? For anyone. I think it gives so much. It gives you, hopefully, confidence, um, posture. And I think that it gives, it is the confidence it gives. And yeah. the, the I think, ballet is all-encompassing. It yeah. gives you beautiful posture, uh, confidence, and you are doing something that is totally different from all your schoolwork so it also gives you the relaxation or gives the yeah. pupils relaxation a lot of my pupils stay with me until they go to university and they yeah. say it's just something totally different from all the hard and work you just they just switch off and they, come relax almost. precisely and not think about maths and science and yeah. all the pressures they have at school so and a lot of them carry on doing ballet when they go to university and go to yeah. the ballet societies and if it can give them something give them a look when they go in for a, an interview. Yeah. I think the girls that and boys who come to me ha, are cut above the rest. Yeah. Um. So did you go straight from performing to teaching? No. Uh, I gave up 
dancing when I was 29. And then I had my daughter, Sophie. And then I had Robin. I was very lucky to be able to stay at home and look after them. Yeah. And then we were we lived in a very, very small house in London. And we applied to have an extension built so that we had three bedrooms. And we were turned down, which is probably a good thing because had we yeah. done that, if we'd had the permission, we probably would have stayed in London. But we started looking around and because my mother had moved back to England, married an Englishman and moved back to England and was living in Swefling in Suffolk, we started coming up here more and more. Yeah. And um, it just seemed like an idyllic lifestyle in Suffolk. So when Sophie was five and had to go to school properly, we yeah. moved up here. We found the old school in in uh, Saxted and we we just thought this would be a good place for me to start teaching. I hadn't really thought about teaching before. I'd done a bit of teaching in when I was, uh, after I finished my training, my great inspiration was a teacher called Vivian Saxton. Yeah. And she was an examiner for the RAD at the time. And she went off and did something like a, I don't know, I can't remember how long it was now, a three-month tour of the, I think, Far East examining. Yeah. So she asked me to take over all her teaching. And... I wanted to be a carbon copy of her. I don't know if I am now, but certainly at the time I felt I was a carbon copy of Vivian. And she was a brilliant teacher. She was lovely. And so I had done a bit, but really I knew nothing about teaching when I came up here to Suffolk. And so I started with one baby class at Rainbow Nursery and a pre-primary class in uh, Earlstone Village Hall because we couldn't teach. I couldn't teach at the old school because from having bought it, the day we saw it, it the house was we could have moved into it, yeah. and then in there was a terrible storm in the summer, and it was partly being renovated, and there were tarpaulins over part of the roof. Well, they blew off, and then Suffolk flooded, and so did our house, and everything was ruined. So we yeah. arrived, and all the ceilings had fallen in. Um, oh, there was nice. all the electrics were ruined. Yeah. So we couldn't live there. So we bought a, a caravan. And we lived in a caravan and my husband, Peter, taught himself how to do everything. So it's taken a long time, but four years in the caravan, you get used to it. And the children thought it was just a great adventure. They loved it. Yeah. And we, um, and then slowly, we slowly, slowly built up the school. Yeah. And um, so every year you got a new pre-primary class and... Yeah. And I had to, unfortunately, I had to redo my teacher's training because the RED didn't recognize the work that I'd done at the, at Stella Mann. Oh. So I had to redo that. I had to do the, the TC program at the RED. And it's never a bad thing doing more training, but, um, so that was quite interesting. So, and I had to enter 30 pupils, I think in a year and, in those days, that was a huge amount. Yeah. It may have even been 30, 30 pupils over three years. I can't quite remember now. But now, of course, that's nothing. Yeah. With the way the school has built up, 30 pupils you do in half a day virtually. Yeah. Um, so what are the like main differences between t- teaching ballet and like being taught ballet? I think now that <laughs> now that I have been a teacher. I understand how irritating I must have been as a student and 
teachers do actually know best. As a student, you think you know best, yeah. but actually teachers know best. And <laughs> so it is worth listening to your teachers. Yeah. I don't think I always appreciated how much they knew. Yeah. And I used to do very good comedy acts of my teachers in the changing room. <laughs> I was caught, uh, <laughs> which wasn't very good. Uh, but I think that the hope, I mean, I'm sure my pupils do skits of me in the changing room. <laughs> I don't really care. It doesn't matter. If, as long as they're having yeah. fun, it doesn't matter. Um, what do you enjoy most about teaching ballet? I in I don't know what I enjoy teaching most. I love I love it when little ones come and they can't skip and then suddenly they can skip. Yeah. And the children who arrive with two left feet and they suddenly do something lovely. I love seeing the pupils enjoying themselves. I want them to enjoy themselves because so few are going to be ballet dancers. Yeah. Or dancers at all. And so the important thing for me is that they're having a good time, but yeah. through excellence. And I love seeing children achieving something. It's yeah. it's great. And seeing the ones that have been with me from when they're three to when they're 18. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a really, I'm blessed to have such a lovely job. Yeah. Um. So obviously there are quite a few boys who also do ballet. Do you think that the amount of boys who doing ballet now has gone up oh goodness yes tremendously when I first started I had some boys that came and I had to say I was doing music and movement with them because a lot yeah. of the fathers would not accept that their boys were doing ballet and then thankfully Billy Elliot really changed an yeah. awful lot and now although I don't have a lot of boys as a there are classes where I'll, I have three boys, somewhere I have one, somewhere. A lot of the classes have got boys in them, yeah. which is fantastic. It changes the dynamics yeah. in the class. It really does, particularly when they get older, when they're teenagers. <laughs> and then the boys are showing off and the girls are giggling and it's quite hard. I had one group where I had three boys and, oh, they were so naughty. And I had to have them in different corners of the room yeah. and away from certain girls because the, they'd be showing off and yeah but they were lovely um and do you think more girls are now like starting to do more sports like that were originally mainly thought of as boy sports mm, yeah it fills me with horror when the girls say they're doing rugby <laughs> <laughs> Yes, probably. I don't really know enough about these things, but I do hear my girls saying that they've played rugby. Yeah. And I just think of the injuries. Yeah. So how did you decide to move to England? Well, mainly because I didn't want to do my training in in Sweden with yeah. my mother and because Jeanaki had offered me this place at Stella Man. And because I spoke English and I'd been brought up bilingual, I thought it was a good idea to come. Yeah. Um, would you ever decide to move back to Sweden? No, not now. Um, my father, who is still in Sweden, is desperate for us to move back. But I don't think I could cope with the bureaucracy bureaucracy um, over there. The Everything is so different. I know how the system works over here. Yeah. And because I have lived over here for such a long time... I sort of feel a bit like a, a foreigner over there now. Yeah. Um, although 
obviously I still sound Swedish, there are so many things that have happened. Life has changed so much over there. Yeah. Sweden is very different to the place I left. So no, I don't think I could yeah. ever live. This feels like home now. Yeah. As long as I don't get chucked out. <laughs> <laughs> what are the um, main differences between Suffolk and the where, where you used to live in Sweden? Um, I still think they have tremendous freedom in Sweden. You can, you cycle everywhere, you walk everywhere. People are very sporty. Yeah. So you, and there's much more sort of outdoor. The, the funny thing about Sweden, not funny, but the winters are so long and so dark. Yeah. So the summers then are, you're outdoors all the time and you're up, people are up early People, I think, are generally quite healthy in Sweden. Yeah. It's a very health, healthy um, way of living. Everybody is sporty. It's very much um, daddies are out with their babies. And yeah. you'll see men on roller skates with the pram. Yeah. The, or they have um, skis with wheels on them. So they are on those pushing a pram really? along. Yes, and it's they are known as Lattepapa. Uh, or a latte papa. I mean, you know, the, the fathers yeah. are at home as much as the, the mothers are, but yeah. they're out having uh, a latte with, with the pram. Yeah, so <laughs> is there more, like, almost equality in the household oh, in yes. Sweden? Very much so. Very much. Women yeah. are completely on the same level as pay scale and everything yeah. um, in Sweden. Yes, very much yeah. so. And fathers get very, very good paternity leave and Yeah. Have you ever like in since you've been living in England, have you ever really felt homesick or really wanted to go back to Sweden? No. I've been I've been happy wherever I've been. I'm I suppose I'm a simple soul in that way. I don't yeah. mind where I am as long as I've got my things round me. Uh, yeah. I was happy when I lived in Blackpool. Um which wasn't a great... Well, it was. It was lovely. So I think wherever I am, I just yeah. get on with it. No, I don't think I've been homesick. I was, I've was. i only really felt tremendous homesickness once, and that was when I was au pairing in France one summer. And yeah. I was left on my own in this wood with with this little boy, a three-year-old, and I didn't speak very good French. And his French deteriorated tremendously while I was there that summer because it was only <laughs> me looking after him. And <laughs> so that's the only time I've been really homesick. Yeah. But Are no. there any similarities between England and Sweden or not? Yes. Um, I think the Swedes always feel this great... They like the British. Yeah. Um, so, um, although there are huge differences as yeah. well, but there are still similarities and we are Northern European. I think we think very much along the same lines. Um Food is very different. Yeah. Um, we eat an awful lot of fish and raw fish and pickled fish. and uh, yeah. But no, I mean, we are very similar, but yet quite different. Yeah. So it's almost the end of our podcast, but I've just got one final question that I'd like to ask you. So what would you tell your teenage self? I would just say... Uh, have fun. Yeah. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy life. Yeah. It's very short. Just try to enjoy every moment. Yeah. Well, thank you for talking to me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me, Rose. Mm -hmm.
hope you enjoyed listening to Talking Teenage Life podcast and that this discussion has inspired you. Please remember to subscribe via your usual podcast provider. We'd love you to leave a review online and don't forget to visit www.talkingteenagelife.com to find out what we're up to. Thank you.